I have my notes. Wonderful. I have an article. I jumped up and down. Mm -mm 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 -mm. I hit my face. All right. So let's see if I can uh, record a podcast. I think you got this. Okay. I appreciate your support in these trying times. (laughs) I will always support you. Uh, Are you a good witch or a bad bitch? I've been a rebel all my life. We will not remain hidden figures. We have names. Oh, if it's naughty to ruse your lips, take your shoulders, take your hips, and let a lady confess I want to be bad. I didn't kid you, did I? Well, now you know. On that note. On that note. Hi, Deanna. Hi, (laughs) Hannah. Welcome to Good Witches, Bad Bitches. This is a podcast that you're listening to where we talk about ladies and their familiars. <laughs> yep, let's go with that. That's one way of putting it. Succinct and... We, we were super witchy last month, so... It's true. That's what I mean by familiars. Ah, okay. Because we're all witches here. Yes, we are. We are. Um, your familiar is Chester. Yeah, that's true. Mine is... Simone, who's mm-hmm. far away from me, so Kitty I feel cat. like a part of me is missing without my familiar. Did I tell you my mom adopted a new cat? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Very cute. She well, she's not didn't have her yet because she's still baby. Oh, that's right. We had a picture. Yeah. Yeah. Her name is Miotti, is what we decided to call her, and it's French for blueberry because her little head looks like a blueberry. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. Miotti Pearl. So blueberry pearl is her name. I like it. Yep. It's very adorable. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, well, we have some, some... Some stuff to talk about. Exciting stuff. Hell yeah, we have exciting stuff. Because last week, we released an episode about Jeanette Rankin, which was fucking cool. Yep. Um, but we obviously recorded the episode before we knew any results from the election. And now we are, you know, a week out. And it was really fucking exciting for women... Uh, we now have a record number of women who are elected, um, which is fucking awesome. A record number of like women of color. It was a really great, you know, night for, uh, people of color in general, but women in color specifically. Uh, what I saw, which, um, someone, cause you know, there was that whole talk about the blue wave or whatever that they want. What somebody pointed out, they were like, actually, like the blue wave maybe wasn't as successful, blah, blah, blah. I actually think it was a big night because we were never, we knew like the number of Republican seats up for election in the Senate was so low. Number of Democratic seats, really high. So the chances of us gaining seats was not good. But we gained a shit ton of seats in the House, which is what we wanted. That was successful. And we flipped it. Yes. Uh, But what I'm getting back to my point, they were, they, uh, somebody pointed out that it was uh, like really exciting to see like a rainbow wave because there's a record number of like LGBTQ Congress people now and governors like fucking Jared Polis, the first openly gay governor of any state in this country. And which state? Colorado. Damn right. Boom, boom, boom. Way to go, Colorado. I know. It makes me wish I was still registered to vote in Colorado so that. So you could take credit? Mm-hmm. Yep. But you can. <laughs> um, yep. 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 Yeah. That's and amazing. And I was really, I was really happy for Michigan because Michigan's where my dad's family comes from. Oh, yeah. And, like, they elected a um, Muslim congresswoman, mm-hmm. which is fucking great. Uh, I think the, the governor of uh, Michigan is a woman now. 
Uh, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, they did a lot Can't of really remember. cool shit. They legalized weed. <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> Which now they're the 10th state. Oh. To legalize recreational marijuana use, I think, is what I read. So one in, like one in five Americans, they said. <laughs> Although I don't know if that's because it's, it's, you know, one fifth of, I, I don't do math. Anyway. Yeah, math ten, sucks. 10 out of 50 states. One fifth. Yes. Woo-hoo. Okay. That's correct. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I just, I think that that's awesome. And I was wondering why New York is so behind on that trend because New York is known for being like, but anyway, it was a fantastic nerve wrecked evening for me watching the results come in. Um, I'm still kind of excited to see where the recounts in Florida and Georgia are going. I know. Would they, tomorrow is when they're supposed to be, I mean, tomorrow for us, we're recording this on a... On, on the Monday before yeah. this episode will come out. Yeah. And so there, I think recounts are, are due by Tuesday, the day before this podcast airs. So and we'll I mean, either yeah. way, it's like, I think it's still really exciting that it's even this, this close, um, especially considering the amount of gerrymandering and cheating yeah, <laughs> that it's the, this the GOP has been doing. Yeah, it's this close in Florida and Georgia. And Texas. And Texas. Oh, yeah, that's, that's true. That's not a recount, but... But it was very close. Very, very close. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. I mean, these very traditionally conservative spaces are so neck and neck, despite all the voter suppression mm-hmm. of, of you know, marginalized communities mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, and gerrymandering and all mm-hmm. of that. Like, the fact that it's still this close despite all of that. Despite the, what, 700 voting machines that they found locked away in, in a Georgia warehouse. Oh, Lord. Did you hear about this? Kemp, <laughs> Kemp was responsible for that. 700 voting machines in Georgia were not used. Because they wanted lines to be longer. Because so they that- wanted lines to be long so people would go home and not vote. Yeah, that's fine. Fucked up. Anyway, there is some cool stuff. So it is Native American Heritage Month. It is. So we wanted to talk a little bit about um, some of the amazing Native American women who won fucking seats. Yes. Um, and I was actually surprised is maybe the wrong word. I just felt very naive that it take took until 2018 to have a single Native American woman in Congress. Yeah. And now we have two. Woohoo! So I'm going to read a little article. Um, it's from Twin Cities, but it's it was a really great. And so we wanted to start our intro focusing specifically, well, we're excited about a lot of the women in Congress. We wanted to specifically talk a little bit about the two women who were elected this year. And uh, yeah. Be amazed at the fact that this is the first time a woman <sighs> of Native American ancestry is in Congress. Uh, I mean, unless you count Elizabeth uh, Warren. Ha 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 ha. So I have this article. It was written by Sarah Sunshine Manning for Twin Cities, which I it must be in Minnesota. I think so. Yeah. Newspaper. Mm-hmm. Um, and it says, two Native American women are headed to Congress. This is why it matters. Da, 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 da. History was made twice over in Tuesday's midterm elections when two Native American women defeated their opponents. Deb Holland, a Laguna Pueblo from New Mexico, and Sharice Davids, a member of the Ho-Chunk Nation from Kansas, are heading to Congress, the first Native American women to do so. 
Throughout Indian country, as the interconnected community of Native Americans is affectionately known, indigenous people were overjoyed. On a night of many firsts, the first Muslim women were elected to Congress, and David's is also the first openly gay woman elected to represent Kansas. Hell yeah. Really? Yes. Whoa. Um, again, fucking Kansas. <laughs> like, they have a Democratic governor now, too. Well, this is why Ann Coulter said, Kansas, you're dead to me. Yeah. Well. <laughs> the victories by David's and Holland were partly about representation. Quote, I never imagined a world where I would be represented by someone who looks like me, Holland said in her victory speech, to thundering cheers. These wins are profoundly personal for Native Americans who were made citizens of this country only in 1924 and weren't oh. afforded the right to vote in some states until 1948. What? Their land. <laughs> weren't even citizens until 1924. Oh my God. <laughs> weren't even allowed to vote until 1948. Oh my God. Yeah. Which, you know, seems only appropriate considering the amount of voter suppression in North Dakota, was it? That oh, they, yeah. That they were like, oh, you need to have an actual address, not a P.O. box, even though the only uh, mailing addresses available to people who lived on the reservation there were P.O. boxes, so they couldn't fucking vote. Yeah. It was stupid. Very um, targeted. This election of two Native American women is about more than a marginalized group seeing that, I'm not starting that sentence over. <sighs> This election of two Native American women is about more than a marginalized group seeing two of their own in Congress, as momentous as that is. For Native American women, this was also about asserting their ancestral right to leadership in a society that has overlooked and undermined the power of indigenous women. Native American yeah. women held tremendous power in pre-colonial egalitarian societies across the Americas. Yet, as a result of generations of settler colonialism, indigenous women have been made invisible, virtually written out of history and out of leadership by colonial officials. In pre-colonial nations, such as the uh, Haudenosaunee, nope, Haudenosaunee, nope, <laughs> Haudenosaunee, Haudenosaunee? Ah. Oh boy. Uh, I feel like I'm Leslie Nope. Um, <laughs> in pre-colonial nations that is the Haudenosaunee Confederacy of the Northeast Woodlands, clan mothers played central roles in ensuring balance in governance and were responsible for appointing tribal leaders and chiefs. The clan mothers often had the first and last say, sometimes being the deciding factor in determining whether the men went to war and served as respected counselors for their clans and for the communities. Damn. In fact, it was the Haudenosaunee Confederacy, did better that time, uh -huh. that largely inspired the formation of the nation's representative democracy. Oh. American democracy began tragically out of balance, though, because of the fatal flaw wherein women were written out of governance. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. And people of color, but. Yeah. Um, among the Diné of the Southwest... A matrilineal nation, it was always the Diné women who owned property, and clans were still, uh, were and still are passed down through the women's lineage. As was with the Haudenosaunee and many other tribal nations during the point of contact with early settlers, Diné women were simply not given the same deference as men when it came to recognition from the settling officials. Of course. Mm-hmm. Even though their society... Let's just ignore it. Uh, the delicate balance achieved in many tribal nations where women and men each held valued roles in the community was fractured by colonization. The spiritual lifeways of indigenous people, which deeply valued feminine life sources, Mother Earth above all, was also undermined by the forced assimilation of indigenous people by way of federal government policies. Men were designated heads of household by Indian agents in the early reservation area. 
and the patriarchal conference of last names through the father functioned to replace any semblance of traditional gender balance in the home. Great. Settlers also saw indigenous women virtually in the same manner that they perceived the land, there for the taking. Mm. Thus, indigenous women have suffered generations of physical and sexual assaults at the hands of white men and colonial forces. Today, Native American women remain the most likely demographic to experience sexual and physical assault. Yeah. Oof, that's a rough uh, de- uh, Well, and it's fact. especially rough because we, we don't do anything about it. Right. There's no real... This bitter history of colonialism, brutality, and forced assimilation brought once thriving tribal nations to their knees. The United States is built on that legacy, however absent that legacy is from school textbooks and public conversation. The historic wins of Davids and Holland and the many other victories for Native American women in elections nationwide are indicative of an ongoing movement among indigenous people today to decolonize and reconnect to the strength of who we once were, nations with strong women, with gender equity, and with women as valued leaders in the community. Beyond gender, the wins of Davids and Holland are significant for Native Americans. In addition to a long and sordid history of disenfranchisement, voter suppression continues to be a concern in tribal communities, most recently with legislation passed in North Dakota that created obstacles for Native American voters in the state. Anecdotally, there is a lingering apprehension among many Native Americans who struggle to fully trust in the American political system, as the federal government has eroded tribal sovereignty, stifled indigenous agency, and created federal policy that has disenfranchised tribal communities to the point of generational poverty and despair. In Albuquerque, Holland spoke to some of those disparities. Quote, 70 years ago, Native Americans right here in New Mexico couldn't vote, she said. I want to tell everyone in this room, people have been under attack who deserve to, uh, who deserve to never be erased. I see you and I'm listening. The Hollands and David's victories, along with the dignified campaigns of other indigenous female candidates, such as Paulette Jordan, who lost her bid to be governor of Idaho, mm. have galvanized Indian country. Quote, going to bed tonight, a queer indigenous woman who watched a woman from her tribe and a fellow queer indigenous friend be elective as, elected as the first native woman to Congress, wrote Aaron Wise, a uh, Hickorilla, Jickorilla, I'm so sorry, Apache and Laguna Pueblo, who is an activist and organizer. I'm so thankful to be indigenous and I'm so proud of these relatives. I hope all the grandmas in the spirit world are screaming because I sure as hell am. It's not just about political power. It's about reconnecting to the power of indigenous women and to the respect of all feminine life sources, including a foundational reverence to our mother earth. Imagine the world that sort of reverence and balance will create with thoughtful and intelligent indigenous women at the helm of leadership. Once again, it's not out of reach. That's a good article, right? Yeah. Yeah. I just, something that we're, we'll talk about in a little bit. (laughs) <laughs> is that that sort of disenfranchisement that we we all know about, but we don't know the details of. Right. I had no idea that that the right to vote didn't come until 1948, you said. And that's pure insanity because I, I don't even understand what the justifications for that for withholding. Be. Yeah. I, I don't know. You know, and the fact that it's continued and continued and continued is really fucked up and sad and... I just, I think this is I mean, I wonder if it had to do with them living on reservations and white people being like, well, that's not, that's different. That's Native American land. That's not America. Yeah. Which is fucking insane. But I can see white people pulling that kind of shit. Oh, yeah. You want to be considered sovereign or you want your own land. So, yeah. Either assimilate or you don't get to be a part of it. Yeah. 
Yep, exactly. Which is stupid. But thank but you anyway. for reading that. Yeah. I just feel like that's, it's, it's nice timing. Yeah. Especially with, with Native American Heritage Month, mm-hmm. which is November. And, um, yeah, I just, that seemed like it would be a good way to start, good sort of start us off. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Um, well, should I tell you about some, um, Disenfranchisement? <laughs> yeah, I'll warn, I'll warn you. Most stories I feel for Native American <laughs> Heritage Month are not going to be as uplifting as that article. I, I kind of decided to lean into it for that yeah, reason. Yeah, because going, going, yeah, because why sugarcoat it? I found, I was going through a couple different stories and, and there are a lot that I wanted to do and then I found this one and I was like, this one makes me angry. I think I'll do it. <laughs> So again, galvanizing, you know, yeah, it just is shocking to me. The things I didn't know, you know what I mean? And and don't know. Right. So the things you weren't taught in school. Exactly. Yes. So who are we talking about this week? We're talking about, um, the Dan sisters. Oh, and they are mostly contemporary. Um, I'm just, sorry, I'm just gonna checking for that email. Silencing my phone. Um, so they're mostly contemporary, um, but their story is all due to some stuff that happened in 1863. Oh. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start by going into the history of the Treaty of Ruby Valley. Okay. From 1863, and then kind of move into their story from there. Sweet. Um, I got most of my information from some from Wikipedia, um, a little bit from supreme.justia.com okay which is kind of a cool website because it talks about supreme court cases um new york times had an article from 2002 that was really interesting Mm -hmm. um newspaperrock.com um which is a native american pop culture oh website which is pretty cool um and then let me see just is there there's any more okay i think that's it so, the 1863 Treaty of Ruby Valley uh-huh. was um, was a treaty that was made between the United States and the Shoshone, the Western Shoshone tribes okay. that were in Nevada and Utah and parts of California at the time. And basically, the bands of tribes that we've come to know know as the Western Shoshone were performing a lot of raids against the European American settlers there. Right. And because the United States needed gold at the time in order to fight the Civil War, they decided to make a peace treaty with the indigenous people on that land. And and they basically said, this land is not ours, but we would really love it if you would let us come mine for gold. And, um, And we will stop fighting with you. And, you know, we'll just call it. We'll call it good. It's your land, but we're just taking a little bit of gold from it and fighting our civil war way over there. Uh, yep. <laughs> yes. Okay. I'm on board. I'm here. I'm with you. It's not like. They're it, just saying, we're not going to take this from you and call it ours, but we're just going to take stuff from the land. Yes. Exactly. From your land. From your land. Could you be? It would be so nice if you could just let us do that. We pr- we won't fight you. Yeah. If you let us do this, otherwise we'll fight you. Right. Yep. Sure. Sounds legit. So, um, so the Shoshone, the Western Shoshone, agreed, 
And they also agreed over time to become herdsmen and agriculturalists and, and sort of work the land together and, and make um, compromise and sharing possible. Sure. And um, let's see. Oh, and so in exchange, the Western Shoshone tribes would receive 20 annual payments worth $5,000 each in the form of cattle and other goods. So they were also being paid okay. for the land. Well, clearly clearly, what the, they were getting back in gold was more than what they were being paid. Yeah, but I don't... Otherwise, it wouldn't be a financially advantageous thing. And all that's, as we know, America loves to rip people off in that way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And this story just continues to rip, awesome. rip the people we're just getting started. Off. Getting started. So cut to the 1970s. About about 100 years later, um, when the Federal Indian Claims Commission decided that the Shoshones had lost the land through, quote, gradual encroachment of the settlers. The commission awarded the Shoshones $26 million in compensation. And in 1985, the Supreme Court ruled that the tribe lost title when that money was um, basically awarded to them, even though the Shoshones never accepted the money. So they basically said, we gave you $26 million, or at least we have $26 million yeah, to give you. but they also said they weren't taking the land. A hundred years ago. Yeah. But then, of course, it happened. And then, was it, what was it? Somebody was just like, hey, wait a second. Well. What, the, this treaty, what happened? This is California and Nevada. This is the U.S. of A. I thought this was Shoshone land. <laughs> you literally said it in this treaty that it was Shoshone land. Basically, what happened was they so so over those years, over those those hundred years, like they had created reservations, you know, lots and lots of of land, right? Um, as part of that treaty that was for the Western Shoshone tribes, and the United States really, really, really wanted that land. I mean, duh. Especially in order to um, test nuclear weapons. Yikes. So they were like, okay, how do we get this land? Well, why don't we just give them $26 million and call it good? And we'll, and we'll basically say that we paid for it. But and you we said they didn't take the money? But the Shoshones never took the money. So where did the money go? The money is still sitting, is still sitting there. The money is still waiting for, for them the, to accept it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, even to this day. Wow. So, and it just collects interest as the years go on. Um, so in the ensuing decades, the Bureau of Land Management basically acquired much of the land that they agreed was not theirs in that treaty so that the, the, the Department of Energy could use it for nuclear testing. Great. And since then, they've conducted more than 100 atmospheric tests which I'm not sure what that is, but I, it's nuclear of some kind. And they've detonated more than a thousand bombs on this acquired land. Yikes. So this all brings that us- That is te theoretically reservation land? Yes, that's all. It's, yeah, exactly. Oh boy. Land that was-, that was <laughs> You're right. I'm, I'm glad I took this ibuprofen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I'm, I hope warning you was um, a good thing. A, I appreciate the warning. Yeah. Um, so this brings it us to the- It doesn't stymie my- Emotion that much, but yeah. at least I knew it was coming. So, so the the Dan sisters, yes. Mary and Carrie, um, are Western Shoshone elders. They are spiritual leaders, ranchers, cultural, spiritual rights, um, and rights 
why did I say and rights activists? I said that twice. Cultural and spiritual rights activists. They are the last Shoshone family living in this valley, about 270 miles east of Reno. They have been ranching in the heart of Western Shoshone land in Nevada for many, many years. Before that, before, before they took over, the ranch belonged to their parents. So um, this, this portion that I'm about to read is from the Supreme Justice case that came in 1974, where basically the United States brought an action in trespass against the sisters, alleging that the Dans, in grazing livestock without a permit from the United States, were acting in violation of regulations issued by the Secretary of the Interior. Oh, brother. The 5,000 acres at <laughs> issue in the suit are located in the northeast corner of Nevada. Mm. In response to the United States suit, uh, the Dans claimed that the land has been in possession of their family from time immemorial. <laughs> And uh, that their aboriginal title to the land precluded the government from requiring grazing permits. The United States right. District Court for the District of Nevada rejected their argument and ruled that the aboriginal title had been extinguished. But how they do that? They just decided it and it was as it was. They said We it, say it's extinguished uh -huh. and therefore it is. Goodbye. End of story. Yep. Now pay us money. And get off this land that we stole. Yep. Okay. So um, so the district court held that the title had been extinguished when the final award of the Indian Claims Commission was certified for payment on December 6, 1979. Yeah, but nobody's taking that money. <laughs> exactly. So on appeal, the government defended the judgment of the district court on the ground that the full discharge language of the Indian Claims Commission precluded the Dans from raising the defense of Aboriginal title. Although Congress had not yet approved a plan for the distribution of the funds to the Western Shoshone, the United States maintained that the requirement of, quote, payment was satisfied by the congressional appropriation of the $26 million award into the Treasury account. The Dans argued that until Congress approved a plan for the distribution of the money to the tribe, because how are they going to distribute that money? Um, <laughs> right. They, they just go here. This is yours. Yeah. And they're like, okay, but who, there's a lot of us here. Yeah. <laughs> what, how, what are you just going to split it evenly? Is it going towards building things? Is it going towards infrastructure? Is it going, what is this for? Exactly. Who's, uh, it, no, it's yours. Here you go. This is your money. It's sitting here waiting for you to come pick it up. So they were like, well, payment has not been satisfied because you don't have a plan for this. Right. Um, so they went on ranching and raising their cattle, and they went on not paying their taxes or <laughs> fines or any of the other things that the government decided it was within their rights to do. And then in 2002, and this is from the New York Times article, um, some shit went down. Um, and this, uh, the, I'm going to quote from this article because it was just good. The Dan sisters have... The Dan sisters have refused to pay grazing fees on any of what was once indisputably Western Shoshone territory, nearly 26 million acres in Nevada and two-thirds of the state, about two-thirds of the state. The sisters have already been fined $3 million by the um, BLM. What, what is that again? The Bureau of Land Management. My God, my brain. Um, by the Bureau of Land Management for willful trespass, money they say they would never pay even if they had it. 
Yeah, that that's the key point. Yes. Like, even if they did have it, which allegedly maybe they do because it's $26 million is just sitting somewhere. Yeah. Just it's like, there for their taking. Be like, there you go. Take it from there. <laughs> just deduct it. <laughs> just deduct it until that money runs out. Keep finding us while we stay here. Exactly. That's what we want to spend this yeah. on. Yeah. So in September 2003, 40 heavily armed federal agents Are you, okay. joined by helicopters... Oh, boy. Descended on the valley and rounded up 232 head of the Dan's cattle, <gasps> which were later sold at auction. Yeah. Yeah. So they're also stealing their... So they stole their fucking cattle and then auctioned which them presumably off. presumably is their, like, way of making money. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's their reparations for that $3 million that the Dan's supposedly owed. Okay, sure. Then the government started after their horses. <laughs> but the aging sisters, and in 2003, Carrie was nearly 70, Mary was nearly 80, are Whoa. good for the fight. In the last two weeks, the Dan sisters removed about 400 horses from the disputed range, many of them pregnant mares. And that's in 03? And that's in 03. Okay. Yeah. So some are now corralled on the family property, others with neighbors. Again, 03. Um, those that were still running loose as the roundup began face three possible fates. First, they may be considered protected wild horses, in which case they will be placed in a federal adoption program. Um, those that are not protected and that go unclaimed by the Dan sisters, even if they carry the brand, the sisters' brand, will be declared strays and the property of the Nevada, of the state of Nevada, which will then work to auction them off. <sighs> and yes, they did end up taking some of their horses. There was like this this convoluted thing that their lawyer was trying to work out where basically they were like, well, someone nearby can buy the horses so that they're still near you and you can like see them anytime you want. What does that mean? That's their, it's their horse. But, uh. That was the best they could do. And also, you know that the government fucking sells stray horses to, I think Canada and Mexico for slaughter. Because it's illegal, okay. it's illegal to slaughter horses in this country, but not in in those countries. So we sell them for money. So, which yay, fun, fun, There's, yeah, yep, yep, um, yeah. Oh wait, sorry, hold on. Yeah. So, if the Dan sisters do not, or no, sorry. If the Dan sisters do claim these horses, then they face trespass fines for grazing livestock on public land without a permit. Oh my so God. they basically can't claim them well, as their own, <laughs> and the government will t will round them up as if they're strays, or the Dan sisters claim them, and then they get slapped with more fines. Well, I love how they're saying that they're on public lands without a permit, as if there's a chance that if they applied for a permit that they could get one. Right. There's no way. Their horses would never... still be taken. But also it's their land. Yes. <laughs> I know. It's um, just like catch 22 of epic proportions. Yeah. Um, oh, God, yeah. This buys into or goes into a little bit of what you just said. If they cannot pay, the federal government will send the horses to auction under the stipulation that the buyer cannot sell them for dog food. I don't know what that means. But it goes on to say horse meat currently sells for 15 cents a pound. Okay. To rub salt in the wound, my words, you might remember in 2014, 
when a Mormon rancher by the name of Cliven Bundy. Uh, what a name. Oh, my God. Who had not paid those same grazing fees in 20 years, uh, citing the fact that his Mormon pioneer ancestors settled on that land before Nevada was, quote, officially part of the U.S., which supposedly gives him right to that land. Um, and when the, yeah, when the um, Bureau of Land Management went to round up his cattle the way they did with the Dan sisters, he pulled together a conservative gun-toting militia to take his cattle back and protect the cattle he still had. Uh, one of the people who showed up, Richard Mack, who was a former um, Arizona sheriff, told a Fox News camera that the plan was to, quote, put all the, wom the women up at the front so that if they're going to start shooting, it's going to be women that are going to be televised across the world getting shot by these rogue federal officers. And ultimately... Bureau of Land Management said, you know what, Cliven, you're totally right. You keep this land and here's your cattle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Did he say his like ancestral Mormon settlers? Yeah. As if Mormons didn't start in the 1800s. Literally, that religion started in the 1800s. That's not ancestral in any way, shape or fucking form. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's yeah. your great grandfather. <laughs> yes, that is exactly what he said. My Mormon ancestors were pioneers and they claimed this land before the United States did. Therefore, it's mine and not the people that I stole it from or that my family stole, stole right. the land from. Right. It doesn't belong to them. It belongs to me. Yeah, but Mormons were ordained by God to do that. So they needed to find their uh, oasis. Yeah, well. Um, the Bureau of Land Management agrees. Great. Yep. Congratulations, Mormons. Yep. I wonder why that is. So <laughs> I wrote the kicker to this story is that while the Bureau of Land Management's fight against the Dans claimed the sisters' herds were overgrazing and thus harming the land. No. <laughs> much of the land the Dans have fought for has been leased to gold mining companies that have conducted resource-intensive extraction methods. So that land that supposedly their cattle has been overgrazing has been leased to gold miners, gold mining companies that destroy the land in order to get gold so out of it. So they're saying that it's the cattle that's ravaging the ecosystem and not the gold miners. They're saying that the cattle are ravaging the ecosystem and therefore the Dans need to get off that land and then they're turning around and selling that land or leasing that land to right. to people who are harming it far worse. I know, I'm very sorry. Um, but they have continued. They've said, fuck you, no, not paying that money, not paying those fees. We're not leaving our ranch. This ranch has been in our family for hundreds of years. We're not leaving. So go fuck yourselves. Um, Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because it's, it, I don't know. It's all so fucked up. But of course, as this goes on, the United States just destroys the land more and more and more. Right. With gold mining, um, destructive gold mining companies and with the nuclear testing and all of these things that really just make that land unusable and unlivable. Um, so 
Yeah. In 2003, Nevada's headlines blared about gold finds in Crescent Valley at the exact locations where their horses were removed. Pretty cool. Is that real? Did they really find gold? Yep. Okay. Yep, they removed the Dan's horses, and then they went and mined for gold there. Oh, shit, gold! Oh, shit, gold! There it is! Found it! It's almost like how many of our political ties in the Middle East have something to do with oil. Oh, what? (laughs) Weird! Um... So in 2007, um, and actually, I think Mary Dan died in 2004. Did I? I think I may have deleted that from my notes somehow. I guess I did. But she died, I believe, in 2004. Um, But her sister, Carrie, lives on. And in 2007, she was arrested with 38 other activists (laughs) for trespassing at the Nevada uh, test site at a Nevada Desert Experience event. What does that mean? I'm not sure. That sounds like a weird white people thing. Like experience life in the desert. Yeah. I actually, I honestly don't know what that is, but they were protesting governmental programs yeah. at the site, nuclear okay. testing. Um, and that, so in 2003, she was, how old was she? How old did I say she was? She was nearly 70 in 2003. So in 2007, she was 70 something. Four? 74. So she's getting arrested and, act, and like, protesting and saying, fuck Good you. Good for her. Even at 74 years old. Um, and she's still alive today? She's still alive. She? She's still doing her thing. Um, in 2008, Carrie Dan, with members of the Western Shoshone Defense Project and four other tribal and public interest groups, sued in federal court against the U.S. and Canadian Barrett Gold Company, seeking an injunction to stop the largest open cyanide heap. Um, Ew, what? Th- thanks to gold, the gold mines. Open cyanide heap? So gold extraction, the way it is, the way it's done right now, releases poisonous chemicals. Yeah, that doesn't ravage the ecosystem. Yeah. So, but so, cows, though. Yeah, yeah, they're the problem. Cattle. Of course. You know. I mean, cattle, big factory farming does harm the environment, and in in, it is the biggest contributor. But just grazing cattle, no. Yeah. That's not the same. No, that doesn't and have the same And definitely doesn't compare to cyanide. <laughs> cyanide heaps. Yeah. But, I mean, the way they justify allowing that to continue happening is that land is open and people don't live on it, quote. So... Because it's public land, so nobody can land. live on it, mm-hmm. quote, unquote, unquote. So, yeah, it's it's real fucked. Um, especially because, obviously, the Western Shoshone consider that to be sacred land. In addition to spiritual concerns, tribal and other groups obviously were concerned about the proposed project's environmental impact on water, air, and ground quality. A uh, duh. Yeah. Um, so to this day, Carrie Dan lives on her ranch. Fuck yeah. Racking up fees. I'm sure it's more than three million now. I think it's probably more than three million. Um, <laughs> she, they still haven't paid the, the well, Western Shoshone, good. obviously. I think I mentioned that. And oh, well, because they have no plan for it. Yeah. They, okay. don't, know, they don't know what they're going to do, really. <laughs> and, um, yeah, she's, like, basically, like, fuck you. And uh, I liked this last, this little ending line. Right is right, she said in an interview, and wrong is wrong. And that is 
the Dan sisters, who are to this day fighting to maintain their ancestral land, even as the United States considers their claim to it extinguished. Well, all right. Done. <laughs> well, kind of done. I, that's insane. I just, I think the reason, Corporate the main reason I picked it. Corporate interests are way more fucking important to this country than anything else. Yeah. And it's fucking bullshit. It was a surprise to me, even though it should not have been, that, that they can just, that they're at this point, the government is just at this point where they can just be like, oh, well, your claim to that shit is gone now. Like, so, okay, but why? Um, Because we said so. Because we said so. Because we want this yeah. land. Because that's why. Yeah. And we'll I, pay you $26 million. Yeah, I don't want it. <laughs> It'd be like if you all of a sudden were like, my TV is yours. And I'd be like, well, I have no way of getting it to my house. So it's that's fine. I, I, that's okay. You keep it. And be mm-hmm. like, yeah, but okay, it'll stay here, but it's your TV. And I'll be like, no, it's not because it's here. It's, that, it's not because I don't have it. It's not mine. I have no... Like, you just... I don't want your TV. <laughs> I want my TV. Mm-hmm. Keep breaking my nails. Don't break your nail. Um, yeah, there and there is a... There's a documentary about them that I cannot remember the name of right now, but I will Post. link to that in the show notes. Yeah. Sweet. Um, because it's, I'd love you know, to watch it. Yeah. It's just about their their struggle with the government to deal with all this shit. I mean, that case that I read to you from the Supreme Court, they went to the Supreme Court. This this case right. against them went all the way to the Supreme Court, and they were, like, trying and trying to oust these people. Right. And they've this entire time still said no. Hmm. So. Which, before you do this, some on this day in history, you actually reminded me of something that I want to do a plug for. Oh, Yeah. Um, like just a minor plug. I was introduced to this foundation, uh, actually in, uh, last season of the show that I work on. We did Mm. an episode where we in particular were searching for a lot of First Nations actors. Mm -hmm. Um, and one of the actors who came in, he was like, oh, have you ever heard of the Canna Foundation? Which I had not, which is actually based here in New York. And it is a, um, Native American run a rewilding foundation where they humanely manage and preserve America's wild horse populations while simultaneously fostering land conservation, sustainability, community empowerment, and stewardship. Whoa. Our rewilding mission is to restore an ecological balance to our environment through America's wild horses by connecting their value for our habitat and land conservation with the overall impact it has on our future. Canna shows specific support for America's indigenous people and acknowledgement and reverence for their understanding and connection with nature and our wild horse nation. Love that. Yes. And so it's like very, they, it's, it's something about also like. Will you send me a link to that yeah. so I can put it in the show notes? Yeah. It's like horse therapy too for a lot of like young uh, indigenous Americans because uh, they've, you know, assimilated in many ways and have lost that, you know, very deep spiritual connection Yeah, to their horse brethren, I think is, has how that actor put it when he. Yeah. Talked about the organization. Mm. Um, so you talking about them with their horses and their, and their cattle. And, yeah. And, yeah, it's just, it seems like really cool. They have actually a um, uh, stable, I don't know what the fuck to call it. They have an actual, like, place you can go to visit, Oh, like, them and the horses oh. that, they're, that they're currently coming in. They travel these horses out into the wild. Like, they'll put them in trailers and because a lot of there were actually a number of actors that we were trying to call in it was like oh he's in Kansas right now because he's 
helping rehome these horses in the wild. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I'll send you a link. Yeah, please do. But anyway, I just thought that that would be like a positive. Well, should I give you some On This Day in History to get us out of the... Yeah, okay. (laughs) So on this day, November 14th, 1889, Nellie Bly sets out to go around the world in 80 days. And she accomplishes it in 72. She accomplished it in 72. Because you did the wrong days. Um, But I only looked up two things, so... Okay, totally fair. This one I included, although I will caveat, I looked it up, like I tried to do some research on it, and I I don't know what predicated this. Um, But in 1923 in Germany, there was a student revolt, and it was over 50,000 young men demonstrated in a march against machine guns. And Yeah, and I thought that that was really interesting because that was the same year that Hitler... um, basically tried to cause a coup, like a violent coup. Yeah, and his first kind of grab at power. Yeah, yeah. and he didn't succeed uh, that time, obviously. Like, But it was in that same year. In fact, I think it was in that same week. I think, I think when I was looking this up, it was November 7th or, yeah, like last week, um, that was the anniversary of Hitler's violent coup that – put him in jail, and ultimately that's where he wrote Mein, mein Kampf. Kampf. yeah. And that was where he started. One of started. Trump's favorite books. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Trump fucking loves Mein Kampf, you guys. But it was really where he started to realize that, like, he needed to have more of a political coup than a violent coup in order to s- accomplish what he wanted to accomplish. Yeah, it's good news. But anyway, I thought the student revolt was a really interesting tidbit, and yeah. I wish that I could find more info about it. But anyway... 50,000 young men demonstrating against guns. That's so many. So. Uh, 1960, Ruby Bridges becomes the first black child to attend an all-white elementary school in Louisiana. In 1969, Apollo 12 launched. So it was the uh, second manned mission to the moon. 1971, the first spacecraft to orbit a planet. NASA's Mariner 9 entered Mars's orbit after 167 days in space. Oh. Uh, and it took pictures of Mars until January of the following year. This is my question for flat earthers. You can verifiably look at other planets through telescopes and see that they are spherical. Yeah. Why would Earth be different? Because it's turtles all the way down. All right. You're right. All right. <laughs> 2008. A U.S. woman reaches the Army's highest rank. 2008, Anne E. Dunwoody has been promoted in 2008 general uh, to the rank of four-star general. Ah, yeah, four-star general. Okay, first female to reach the U.S. Army's highest rank. That's not surprising, but yeah, that's that was ten years ago. Yeah, and then this is the last. And how many have made it there since? Oh, I don't know. That would be the question to ask. I have no idea. I'm sure not many, if any. I don't want to think about it. Okay. In 2011, Gabrielle Giffords, the U.S. congresswoman who was shot in the head in January of 2011, gave her first television interview since starting her recovery. So that was today. Yeah. she had Seven to, years ago. Had to relearn how to do very simple things. Yeah. So she was, I can't remember where she was, but somebody opened fire on a, on a event that she was at. It was like a supermarket, I think. Or something. I can't even remember. I don't even remember. But it, it, it the point is that nothing has changed. And yeah. it's even probably gotten worse. Oh, We've it's had so much 300 worse. something 
mass shootings this year alone? It's either 307 or 370. I, I'm, I can't remember I which one it is. I think it's 307 because there, it was like the day of the shooting in California. It was the 312th day of the year. And they were like, there's been 307 mass shootings. Oh, yeah. And I think there's actually been two more since then. Great. So, Do you know that it's it's almost the same amount of people who died in that California shooting that died on in Columbine? Almost. It's like just a few people different, like a few people shy of that. And how... God. Nobody's even talking about it anymore. I think the thing that broke my heart the most about that California shooting, I mean, not the most. The man who survived the Vegas shooting? No. Well, yes. I mean, that was fucking horrifying. But the interview, did you see this? The interview with the man. Oh, the man who was apologizing because. he, He got his son. He was there with his son and he and his son managed to escape. And while while the shooter was shooting other people and the man got on camera for an interview after the fact, like minutes, minutes or hours after, after the fact, yeah. and was apologizing because he was able-bodied and should have helped is what Instead he, of getting out. He felt... Survivor's guilt is real in, in tragic events. Well, and we encourage it in mm-hmm. this country because... Especially if, for men. If you're able-bodied and you don't get your... You don't get up and, and do something, then you're you're the reason that, that we need, you know, that everyone is trying to ban our guns. Right. If you're, if you're a good person who's not trying to stop shootings, you're the problem. If you're not a good guy with a gun. Oh, also there were off-duty cops there, so... And one the, who was shot. One who died. One who fucking died. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 real problematic. Reasonable gun control now, please. Thank you. Oh my you. god. It, why is it why is that so hard? Seven over seventy percent of American citizens want it. The NRA's pockets are so fucking deep and they have bought so many of our fucking It's hashtag voting. And I'm really glad that we have a lot of people like, you know. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who have no fucking corporate money. I love her. She's great. I I can't wait for her to afford her little apartment in D.C. And Fox News, she had this great tweet at them because Fox News had this whole segment where they were basically laughing at her. For not being able for to not afford. being able to afford right. a DC. Oh, okay. So let's let's say that you know all people who they're like, yeah, rent's high. What do you expect? And it's like, uh, for she like she's literally not allowed to have a job for the next three months. Yep. Because she can't have any you know other interests. Yep. Financial interests. <laughs> yeah. So how the f- she can't have any income. She was on Instagram the other day making um, instant mac and cheese for dinner and talking about all of that because, like, that's all she can afford to eat right now. Yeah. and But it was funny because she, like, tweeted it at them because she was like, it's been five months that Fox News has been aware of me. Let's see if I can find it. And she's like, I, I, why can't your anchors still pronounce my name? Because they, st- they keep calling her Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She's like, my name's Ocasio-Cortez. I've corrected you guys multiple times, and you still don't seem to know how to pronounce my name. Um, also, I'm really glad that you think it's funny that, you know, working Americans can't afford yeah. to live places. To live Oh, yeah, here it is. 40% of all Americans currently struggle to pay for one basic need, like food or rent. As much as Fox News likes to mock the working class, the real scandal is that at the wealthiest point in our history, we are at one We are at one of our most unequal. Yep. Most Americans are barely scraping by. Yeah. That was her Yeah, what was that saying that um, 
not there's not a single state I think really where a person working a minimum wage job can afford a one bedroom apartment. Tell me something that you're excited about so that I can feel better. Okay. <laughs> um, well, actually, one thing that I'm super excited about, it's completely random, and it's uh, I found out recently that King of the Hill is available on Hulu now, oh. which is a show that I watched pretty religiously. Really? When it was on, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is so funny because I didn't know... Until I started watching it with Alex, it's the same guy who did Beavis and Butthead. And I was like, what? Because yeah. I wasn't allowed to watch Beavis and Butthead. No. So I don't know shit about Beavis and Butthead. Except <laughs> yeah. for apparently Daria is a minor character in the background of Beavis and Butthead and then got her own... Sp- I was like, wait, what? Because oh I God. watched Daria. But I did. I apparently watched all the satellite shows. Um, but anyway, Daria's better. King of the Hill. I forgot how fucking funny that show was. And so it's just so good. And it's just such a pure example of how far the GOP has taken a right turn because it's about a conservative family. Yeah. Like very specifically, like there's an uh, an episode because I don't know if you are familiar with the show, but Peggy, Hank's wife. Yeah. She's like a very strong minded woman who's very confident. She's very intelligent. Um, but she's like having, something's going on with her and Hank is like, oh, don't tell me you're becoming one of those feminists now. And she's like, Hank Hill, you know, I am not a feminist, but I am my own free willed woman. And it's like, <laughs> there's, so that's that whole thing where she, they, they are very specifically not liberal. Yep. But, he, but you think about how, like you see it and you realize how horrified this the type of conservative on this show in the '90s, which was like the normal conservative, yeah, would be with the state of the GOP now. Yeah, it's like they, they were very specifically like not racist, still kind of like weirded out by things they were unfamiliar with, but it wasn't. Yeah, you know, it but wasn't a very. It wasn't like well, we don't like you because they have a, a, a immigrant neighbors move in. Um, Laotian neighbors. Oh. And so there's like a, but there's like headbutting. And of course the the neighbor is voiced by a white actor, but the wife isn't. Oh. It's the same woman who voices Amy on Futurama, which is so funny. Oh. Which I'm now learning. Interesting. But it was the 90s and we've learned a lot. Yeah. But it's basically just them overcoming. He's, because he's Laotian, but he calls him Chinese a lot. And then he he says like konnichiwa to him, which I'm like, that's Japanese, but okay. And it's, but at the same time, um, like Hank's dad is a World War II vet and he's a, a fucking misogynist piece of shit, but, and he hates the Japanese, but he, he because he fought the Japanese, <laughs> but then like he goes over and one of the shit stirring neighbors, Dale, he like, he oh, yeah. they go to the, the Laotian neighbor's house when they first move in, they're like having a barbecue and, and Dale's like, you should go talk to him. He's Japanese. And he walks up to him. He goes, no, he isn't. He's Laotian. <laughs> and he like immediately knows because he hates Japanese people. He's like, oh my he's, God. he's definitely not Japanese. Oh but my it's God. just like, wait, anyway, I'm ranting on and on. I'm really excited. I've been watching it a lot. And it's just a really funny, actually really topical show even today. I bet it's kind of comforting it's to know very that comforting. conservatives used to be like, just well, normal people. Well, even Dale, Dale is the conspiracy theory, like, survivalist neighbor. Oh, yeah. And even he, ha- like, there are things where, things he says where I'm like, oh, this is very reminiscent of the current GOP. But even he says shit that I'm like, but everybody knows he's crazy. Right. 
This was pre-tea party even. He's not respected. <laughs> but they're like, okay, Dale, say your crazy shit. All right. Man. But he, but he's harmless. So that's on it's Hulu? It's on Hulu, yeah. All right. All right. Well, maybe I'll go. Maybe I'll go check it out. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Oh, yeah. You know? Or as Peggy Hill would say, oh, yeah. <laughs> On that note. Thanks for listening, everybody. Really appreciate it. Every single listen just makes our hearts dance yes. with joy. Yes. Please um, subscribe if you haven't yet and share with your friends. Let them know that you love this podcast because yeah. we know you do. Tag them in our Instagram posts, like in the comments. Oh, yeah. I love Tag them on comments. Twitter. Yeah, I love when people comment <sighs> on our Instagram or tweet at us. Yeah. Or email us. Yeah. So do that. Do that stuff. All of our all of our info is in our show notes. GWBB podcast. Find us everywhere. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we love you. I love that. That's a good slogan. We'll hear see you next week. Uh-huh. Yep. In the meantime, peace out, witches. Bye. Thank you for listening to Good Witches, Bad Bitches. Thank you for listening. <laughs> you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Blueberry, and more. Basically anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Mm -hmm. If you like our podcast, it would be really helpful if you could please like and subscribe, rate and review, share with your friends on social media, word of mouth, mm -hmm. all of that. It's great. Yes, and you can find us on Twitter at GWBB Podcast. Instagram is the same, and we are on Facebook under Good Witches, Bad Bitches Podcast. And hey, guess what? If you want to hear all of our episodes, they are all up at our website, GWBBPodcast.com. If you have a story about a woman in your life that you want to share with us and that you want us to share on our podcast at some point, you can email us at GWBBPodcast at gmail.com. Hey guys, you know what? If you like what you hear, maybe please consider a little bit of supporting us financially by visiting our tip jar. Um, the link is in the show notes. Every little bit helps. It just kind of makes it so that we can keep this going so that it has some longevity. So just think about it. See, see how you feel about it. Or you can support this podcast directly by buying us a coffee on our Ko-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> so that is ko-fi.com slash GWBB podcast. Um, coffee start at $3 because that's generally the price of a fancy coffee and it just helps us keep the ship going. Good Witches, Bad Bitches is produced by Moon Bounce and powered by Pine Cast. Boom, boom, boom. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening.